0: Welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange, formerly the She Yearns podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast today. Let me ask you a question. What do you think of when I ask you to think of the type of person who sits on the back row in a lecture or seminar class or even church? Are they your goody-two-shoes question askers? No. Do they try to stay hidden or hang out with their friends? No. Or are they back there sort of cutting up under the radar? Well, if you've been in at least one class or seminar where you can select your seat, The lines are clearly drawn. That back wall is being held up by a group of comedians waiting for the right moment to unleash their sarcasm and timely gems on the ears available. Now, before you become concerned, I'm going to get myself into some trouble. I married a guy on that back row. A natural cut-up, oh he's funny, brilliant, snarky, sarcastic, and handsome galoot who could read a book and ruin the curve in between his distracting commentary every time. In fact, today we have two separate offices at home or I would never get anything done. The problem with my perceptions like this and maybe yours of someone choosing to sit in the back is that I automatically feel as if they don't really want to be there and that they will likely not be paying attention. Whether I realize it or not, those kind of perceptions carry over into my understanding of God and His work in my life. And I'm just wondering if this kind of thing happens in your life too. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place that feels very absent of the presence of God. It can feel as if he's standing in the back of the room, so to speak, or sitting on the back row. And I begin to transfer all of my perceptions and preconceived ideas into my theology. Before I know it, a felt absence of the presence of God will not help me find the courage to step out in faith or keep going. I will not receive the comfort needed to get through the next difficulty or hurdle and I will not possess the confidence to believe what is unbelievable in regular circumstances. There is an instance I want to bring to light today where God momentarily is not in the front leading. He is not hovering over and above heralding messages. He is not whispering direction or calling out to his own. He's not working a miracle or showing Himself in any other way, but has removed Himself from those places and is, in essence, standing in the back on purpose. What I have come to share to help stir your faith is that there are times when that feeling that God is not present is not due to His lack of participation in your life, but a result of His positioning. I want you to know, I am so thankful for this word. Never am I producing material from a dogmatic stance. We need our faith to be stirred. If my faith is not stirred by this, if I am not preaching the gospel to myself first and allowing it to work through, to penetrate, to heal, to correct, and to move me, well, it's time to pack up the microphone, the graphics, sell the URL, and just stop. Charles Spurgeon assures us in this, the presence of God in our lives is not to be measured by the realization of it. Today, we're looking at Moses and the Israelites, and they have just escaped from Egypt. As they are moving out, we are told they went the long way with the angel of the Lord going before them. And In Exodus 13, we find this. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night did not depart before the people. For the first time, these people experienced the presence of God in their midst, leading them, going out before them. They could see the cloud. They could see the fire. Sweet sleep, if you can imagine. No worries. So much so, these slaves, that's all they'd ever known, left boldly, equipped for battle. But at that minute, Pharaoh and his cronies had second thoughts about losing their free labor and began moving in on these fugitives. So the people began to cry out to the Lord. Then they became a little testy with Moses out of their fear, saying things like, What? Were there not enough graves in Egypt? Didn't we tell you it was better for us to stay there? Moses tells them not to be afraid and to stand still and wait for the Lord. He's going to tell them what to do, assuring them that God was going to fight for them. Then God tells Moses, what are you standing around waiting for me for? Go forward. Even though there's not really a forward to go to, they're kind of on the edge of the end of disaster. There's only water there. God tells Moses to stretch out his staff over the water so the people will be able to walk across and informs Moses that he's about to do some badness with the bad guys. God has announced his plans and given the people instructions in how to move ahead. Now this is the part where you and I often begin to drift. This is verse 19. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Now there are four things you and I should remember when God stands in the back that can stir our faith. The first thing is that God moves. This is the most disconcerting, I believe, of all the realities for me God moves and he doesn't need permission or understanding nor does he need to make an announcement not that we don't know this reality that God moves but we generally like him to act like the song Jesus take the wheel if you're familiar with that I expect him to be in the front ahead leading lighting the way taking the steering wheel keeping us on the path until I get to the finish line victoriously and without sweating too much or having too much difficulty that's really the way I like to do it and I recently saw a meme of this same concept Jesus take the wheel but instead of taking hold of the steering wheel to drive better more securely and you know victoriously the illustration was of a a car with someone taking the back tire off making it completely undrivable and running away with it in the opposite direction, taking the wheel away. And the caption was, don't take that wheel Jesus. That's really not what I meant at all. That's kind of how life feels sometimes, isn't it? In fact, I connected with a friend a couple of weeks ago. I had not been in contact with really for the past year, only to find out that 2019 had literally been the worst year of her life. I mean Jesus had not just taken the steering wheel he had taken all of the wheels and the spare tire too. It was just awful. I think that this is a very sobering and biblical principle that there are times when God moves. He literally moves. He does not leave but he moves causing us to feel a loss of his presence a hopelessness a struggle to believe which brings a perfect environment for faith to grow and it's terribly uncomfortable often occurring in the midst of a dark gloomy space that is the reality it can happen God can move and it can happen for all the right reasons that's the second point God moves for all the right reasons God moving to the back in this situation is not a result of your sin or my sin. This particular example that we're talking about, it's not due to sin. It's not because you're underperforming either, sister. Get that one straight. God moves for all the right reasons. You and I need to know this. This loss you feel, the emptiness, like he's not there, like he cares about other people more than you, that if you were just different and things would work out for you too. No, no, not so. Then why in the Sam Hill does he ask us to do these difficult things and then seem to disappear? Why does he call us to endeavors that are flooded with impasses? What is the point in making us jump through hoops to no avail, or so it seems? When is tragic loss ever a good idea? Probably the most profound sentences I read in the really thinking about this were reminders of the answer to these typical questions. Solomon spake many proverbs and I apologize for the language. It's a little bit old. Solomon spake many proverbs and wrote many songs, but none of them attained the glory of that saying, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Here was a triumph of faith. Beloved, you and I lose the enjoyments of religion and the comforts of hope in order that we may walk by faith and not by sight and may the more greatly glorify God in other words we can get to a hopeless place feel like what is the point and losing all the enjoyments of religion by God's design for the purpose of strengthening our faith not to destroy it it is not his intention for us to crash, burn, blaze, and turn away, but that our faith be kindled, stirred, to a red-hot boil in a way that it could not have glorified God before. That is the point. When God does move from leading to the back, He is not distracted. That's what we have to remember. It's not like the boys on the back row of your math class. He's not distracted. He is completely 110% paying attention to you. He's not distracted but completely planted. We get this from the language where the Bible shows us that when the angel moved, he stood. His feet were firmly planted for your good. He's not floating around willy-nilly, half-listening, waiting for something interesting to say or do. He's not playing a game boy until the trouble passes. but securely standing in between you and whatever is coming against you that is out to harm you, to destroy you, or to thwart his plans for your life, just like he was doing for the Israelites. You are a big deal to him. When you cannot find or feel his presence, it is so easy to reject this truth. You just have to remember and know that it's true and be reminding of it. He's actually busy working in this passage, and we see him doing two things at once from this position. He's doing double duty, and that's the next point. Before, he was simply leading, but now he's in the back. He is both a cloud and a fire. He is a barrier between what needs to be fought against to keep the badness away from his children that has no permission to come near, putting a hedge of protection around them, and providing a light in the darkness. It doesn't take much light to make a difference in a dark place. Our problem is that we get so discouraged. And I, I am totally uh, there with this. So tired, so buried in our pain and our suffering and wondering why, if this is the way, we're having to endure this yuckiness and miss the light and the darkness. Guilty as charged, that's me. Look for it, my friend. It may be small, like a night light. Just remember, he is pulling double duty when you cannot feel his presence. He has positioned himself in the rear to stand in the back because it is for your protection, for your strengthening, and for your good. He is not gone. He's just moved to cover your back. So then, he means for you to keep moving out. No, there was no visible path ahead. Remember that when Moses and the Israelites were told to move forward? But those were the instructions to keep moving. And those are yours too. And those are mine. Keep moving. That is our point. They were clearly given those instructions. Nothing changed just because God moved. This is where faith is strengthened. Friend, are you staring at the edge of the water, not doing what you thought he called you to do? Because, I don't know, a million different reasons for how it's not working out. And it feels like it's just stupid. (laughs) Because he's not there and it's not working out like he thought. Also guilty as charged. (laughs) Could it be your God has been there all along? Your God is present. He means for you to go on with what he's told you to do. Oh, how I pray this word speaks over you today that he moves you to a deeper faith to believe him more and to go and do what he's called you to go and do in the midst of impossibilities uh, derailments and disappointments I pray the same over myself may these verses rush over us and leave us different in the coming days with a greater understanding and a stronger faith have a great week Can't wait to be with you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week. I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier to make sure you get it. Please remember, rate, review, and share the podcast. You're the one that makes the impact. And you never understand the difference your suggestion could make in the life of another person just by recommending and sharing the resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify. It's so easy or put it in your stories. I would personally be grateful. And remember, there's more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips. Just go to www.sheearns.com where you're going to find reading plans, videos, articles, and other resources, more than there's ever been before, to help stir more desire for God into your everyday life. I'm Cherry Strange. It is always a pleasure to meet you here.